0: Hi everyone, I'm Ben Tapper, and this is Invisible Truths. This is a podcast for anyone who carries burdens that feel too heavy to bear, questions too vulnerable to openly discuss, or pain that you're certain no one else will understand. Even more than that, though, this is a space to acknowledge and explore the invisible truths within each of us. If you're still interested, let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Invisible Truths Podcast. I'm here this week with Melanie Klein. Um, Melanie is an empowerment coach, an author, a professor of sociology and women's studies, as well as the co-founder of the Yoga and Body Image Coalition and the Joy Revolution. And she co-founded the Joy Revolution with uh, Mark Codone, who you all heard in one of the earlier, two of the earlier episodes of this podcast, actually. Uh, and Melanie is also one of my personal coaches. Um, so I just want that to be known. Full disclosure, everybody. <laughs> Melanie, thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Ben. And I love the full disclosure. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: about authenticity, right? Yeah. Um, all right. So we will go ahead and just uh, jump right in with the first question and then see where we flow. People often experience pain as they're uncovering their power. Um, I know that's been true in my life and in the lives of some people very close to me. And so I'm wondering if you would say that's held true for you. Um, If so, is there a specific story or narrative that epitomizes that pain to power transition? And if not, how would you characterize your journey from pain into power?
1: Yeah. I mean, great question. A lot of the work, personal work and uh, collective work I've done over the years has been around power. And for me, it's, it's first of all, acknowledging that the relationship to power for specifically women and oftentimes other marginalized groups can be really tenuous in a society that is built on sexist, white supremacist, heteronormative, ableist, sizist, Ageist and classist structures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, uh, one thing is about how, reimagining power. And I know this is not directly answering your question, but I have a tendency to do that. So I will get to it. Um, about reimagining power and starting to kind of dismantle this idea that um, if we have power or we are in our power, that that means that we are dominating others or that there is some hierarchy in place, right? and that we can be in our full power and it actually is sourced from within and can be um, an opportunity for greater connection, collaboration, and community. So that's been a really big piece of my own self-development, self-growth, and the work that I've done is like, let's have a new conversation about power and what that means and looks like. And to specifically get to your question, um, yeah, I've had a lot of Pain points of coming into my power. um, And I think many, many people do. And for me, just speaking for myself, it's been because to step into the full realm of power in the way that I just defined, uh, right? Not a hierarchical sense of power as we have in the patriarchal tradition, um, has really demanded that I take a look at the places of where I've given up my power, where I have tolerated things where I have had loose boundaries, where I've underestimated myself, and how in that way I've kind of, um, you know, I've bled out, if you will. Like, you know, I haven't contained my own sort of true sense of, you know, vitality. And those have been painful lessons. They have had to do with relationships, whether it's been, you know, intimate partners, parents, friends, communities, and Really, um, it's required me to take a deep, hard look at the brilliance that I was not perhaps um, fully embracing or owning. And at the same time, the really shadow parts of the things that I was um, engaging in, meaning that oftentimes there was manipulation. There were uh, injustices on my part to others, uh, especially in relationships, because for me that felt like a way to get an immediate sort of sense of power. It was instant gratification. Um, And, and so it was like, okay, that's really not power because I'm taking away someone else's. I am dismissing someone else. And for me to come into my full power is about um, having greater love and connection. And so I had to look at some of the uglier parts of myself in that process and to peel away, those layers, right? And in terms of stories, <laughs> I don't know how much time you have today. Then <laughs> I have many. What I will say is, you know, recently, earlier this year, there were some things that happened. I'm going to not go into too much detail, but I will say that there were some things that occurred, specifically in 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 my in my intimate relationship, um, and because. Mark mentioned me and his podcast with you. I'm going to mention him here without giving away too many personal details, but um, there were some things that occurred in which, you know, uh, there was a period of time where we were not connecting as closely on a daily basis. Um, I would say even this June when I was going through a pretty massive up level, I think you were there for a couple of those moments when I was teaching Joy Revolution and other things where I was just, there was a lot coming up. and. I felt a little bit abandoned Mm. at that point. And I remember I got this really profound text from him one day and he said, you know, I'm I'm completely here, but I want you to know that you can do this on your own. And that really stood out for me because there were some things that um, he and I had gone through at the end of last year (laughs) that he had witnessed and he felt like, you know, actually it's interesting. Like you're you're in a, a different kind of a relationship where there's a level of disempowerment that's going on and there are little bits of enabling that's happening. And so when I went to my next big growth edge, you know, my first thing was I wanted to really reach out, I wanted to be fully supported. And actually the translation of that is I wanted him to coddle me. I wanted him to hold that little girl that was completely scared that was completely freaked out about the ways in which I was stretching. And when he wasn't showing up in the way that I wanted him to do to show up and the way I expected him to show up, you know, I I was angry and I, and I outlined it as abandonment um, and isolation and loneliness, which are my big core wounds that I've been working on. And that was just a profound, you know, that was a profound communication where it's like, I'll be there. And yet, if you're ever going to get to the other side, you do have to do this on your own. And there was a lot of pain that actually happened in the last couple months. I feel like I've just, you know, been been coming out of that phase. But what's happened is I do feel so much more empowered authentically. Like, and, and, and I, you know, here I am speaking as an empowerment coach. I've been a leader in my communities for 20 plus years. I've been a professor for 18 years. And there's a certain Image that some people have of me in terms of oh she's got it all together, mm-hmm. she's fully you know in power, kind of like you know go check on your strong friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of times people people haven't um, because I look like I have it all together, and I will say in large part I do, mm-hmm. I really do, and I and, and I'm proud of that. Um, and yet there's always new space to grow, mm-hmm. and I think what I realized this year is there's been a lot. Of things that I've been happy to work around, happy to clear it out. But when it came to actually working fully through, there was an avoidance still happening, like I said, around abandonment, around feeling alone. And and this was this cycle was really about to really become more empowered in yourself. You you have to deal with loneliness because nobody, nobody can go through anything with you. I, you know, I can't be inside my client with them, right. you know, and no one can, can do that with me. So there was, there was a lot of pain. And yet I came out of that going like, wow, I really like if I ever thought I was empowered before, like, wow, hmm. this is next level stuff. So um, that's been the most recent piece of my own journey, you know, and I expect that there's going to be another leg to this journey. It's, it's a never ending thing. And, you know, when those pain points come up, when the growth comes up, um, and, you know, we, Mark and I talk about growth does not necessarily have to be painful, but when there are those pain points, I always remind myself that I, that I asked for this in this life because I've wanted to break through the cycles that I've had in my family, in my own personal history, and that's required me to, to move through that. So, yeah, that's one of hundreds of stories, Ben.
0: <laughs> wow. Thank you, um... Just for the, the depth and the authenticity there, that that was powerful, at least for me. Um, and I'm very familiar with that that process of wanting to work around something. And it, by the fifth or sixth lap, I start to realize, okay, I've done all I can do around it. It's time to actually step into it. Or when someone like you says, hey, stupid, you need to go through it. Um, and so I, that's right. Well, rare.
1: let me just say, I never say stupid.
0: Right. <laughs> I'm aware. You don't say that.
1: That was Ben's edit right there.
0: I need to hear it sometimes.
1: Sure. Yeah. 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 That's why it's, you know, it's through the process. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I said, you know, on one level, I can't be in there with the client, you know, like in their body, in their psyche, in their emotional center at all, nor can my coaches and guides be there with me. Um, so there is that element of really, you know, going at it alone to a certain degree, and which is why I love Renee Brown's "Braving the Wilderness" because that's what we do. And at the same time, we can all do that collectively, right? So it does not negate the power and support that we gain from community. I am um, a huge advocate for community. That's been, you know, one of the biggest joys of my life is connecting people and I mean I know even for you like I've sent emails to you and other people and our cohorts and programs like you two have to talk you have to talk like and and all of that is just because there are so many opportunities for support and growth when we come together as a collective um, that I, I want people to plug into oftentimes the energy and the abundance of opportunity that they're overlooking by not you know forging those relationships and so in my own life, I, I have a wonderful network of many, many, many communities. And, you know, in those moments of, of loneliness, I, I made sure that I did not go to my tendency to just like, hide out, mm-hmm. right? Um, because I also have a, a history of depressive tendencies over the years, especially in my teen years. And, um, I mean, people would say that I would just sometimes go underground for months. And this is at a time where we didn't have cell phones. I don't even think pagers had come and gone at that point. Right. Um, there's, yeah, I know there's no voicemail. So I could just hide out, you know, and my best friend at the time, you know, we would say, you know, I was like, "Oh, I'm in the freak out mode. I'm I'm on, I'm underground. You're not going to find me. And so what I did this round was instead of, Leaning on my partner as a crutch, which I've had a tendency over the years to do. Um, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I can go through this and I'm going to be really mindful about when I go into my community to be kind of held and to have space offered to me, but they're not going to fix it for me. They're not going to create a balm over this or, you know, a temporary, uh, yeah, temporary balm for the wound. Like I'm going to let it breathe and heal And I'm just going to make sure that I am in a really um, supportive space while I'm in my healing process. And so, you know, I was trudging it alone yet I was very much held in a beautiful community spirit and I didn't go hide out. I was like, this is the time where, you know, I make some phone calls. I let people know I'm vulnerable. And so it was just a really, it was a great, now that I'm on the other side, I can even say it was a really, (laughs) It it was a really fantastic, um, opportunity to deepen the practice of what I've done for many years yeah. what I do with my clients when I mentor um, you know students and young people it's like okay there's no matter where you're at in the growth process there's even more opportunity to deepen that and so I feel right now on pretty pretty firm ground of like I can do this on my own and yet I can be in deep sacred profound community Yeah
0: yeah and i I want to dwell there for for a second um for those of you that have not had a chance to see Melanie um, online or interact with her in person uh, from my perspective, you are um, a a powerful direct and vibrant person um who's also incredibly intuitive and so for you someone like you to name right that there's still Um, these dark, really hard times you have to go through and to name that you recognize that you also need other people, right? So to to live into your own power isn't to no longer depend upon or to desire to be with or be supported by others. Um, And I think it's so easy to just assume that once we, for me anyway, once I get better or feel better or feel more secure, I will no longer feel lonely or I will no longer feel like I need someone else. Um, But that's not actually the case.
1: Yeah and that is very true and some something else that came up while you were just speaking that I was thinking about is also um something that has happened is thinking about the kind of intention and desire in the reaching out um I've had a tendency in the past to it's true like like fucking save me from this mess save me from this thing and yet it's interesting I look at all the versions of me that I've had while there was this narrative going on. You know, I kept showing up for myself no matter how messy it was. You know, I have a lot of gratitude for the 15 year old girl that was, you know, uh, by all intents and purposes, maybe seemed to be not that together. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she had a lot of perseverance. She had a lot of grit for sure. I think about the 18-year-old version, the 25-year-old version. So on one hand, there was this, this idea of like, oh, gosh, can't somebody fix this for me? You know, why, why isn't there a parent that's going to solve all the problems effectively? Why isn't there, um, you know, like someone on a steed coming to like carry, you know, all, all of those things and those gender narratives as well. And yet I kept, you know, kept persevering and I, I would work through it. And I don't think... Um, you know, I, I gave myself full credit for that. And, and the more I gave myself credit, uh, all those versions of me, I was able to actually see how truly powerful I was. And yet there is this undercurrent of this collective consciousness that, you know, especially in women breeds this idea of you are not complete until, and you need someone to save you. And in terms of our programming, right, and our socialization, as much as we may on the surface reject that and know that that's not the truth, we cannot underestimate how powerful um, those value systems, those narratives, those characters, and those images become And so I've also spent a lot of time kind of unraveling what has been the social programming for me as a woman and how society sees powerful women, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And even though we may see more examples of powerful women in politics and finance and the entertainment industry, that's still not the norm. And we still have, you know, running alongside that sort of progress, we have the same old tired tropes and stereotypes that we've had for, you know, decades upon decades. And so there's been, you know, the internal investigation as it's connected to the external surround and kind of making sense and making peace with all of that and finding the place for me to be my power and having space for relationship because other iterations of me where power meant that I did not have relationship. hmm Right. And I, they, you know, burning bridges and feeling like, oh, my goodness, if I um, admit that intimacy is important, especially as a heterosexual woman with a man, am I giving up my power? Yeah. Am I becoming dependent? And I mean, this has been an ongoing um, kind of internal conversation. And to be quite honest, Bell Hook's book Communion, which I've been teaching since 2002, at the end of my women's studies classes or inter-women's studies class was a big game changer where she talked about, you know, love is revolutionary. Love is not weakness. And, you know, the des- the human desire for intimacy and connection and community. And that was also part of my healing process in terms of I can be empowered. And not only does that mean that I don't power over others, but it also means that I can be empowered and I can be in love and I can be in intimacy. And so Um, There's just so many pieces, I think, around power that get very sticky uh, in our culture, which is interesting. Part of the reason I have my my own program coming later in the fall, where I want to help women navigate this sort of relationship between power, prosperity, and pleasure. Mm. Because pleasure then becomes a really, really loaded thing in our culture as well. You know, and they're all related.
0: Man, yes. You just said like ten things that I want to explore deeper. Um,
1: <laughs> we need a part two. Also, Mark gets a part two. <laughs> I get a part two. <laughs>
0: yeah, Maybe even a part three. Um, I
1: was, that, and then I was going to say, and I'm going to raise him <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> uh, so I, I'm going to I'm going to say a thought I had, offer a pivot, and then I'll let you choose which you want to explore. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the, the thought I had is while well, you were talking about your experience as a, um, a hetero female um, in a relationship with a male, I thought about the other side of that coin, what it's like for me as a hetero man in relationship with a hetero female. Um, and like the first step seems to be naming when my power is when I'm taking up too much space, right? And so like I've gotten better at that. It still comes up, but I, I've gotten better at naming and at least being aware I'm more intentionally aware of my power and when it's taken up too much space or not. Um, but the other tendency that I haven't quite, um, I'm not as involved in yet is the desire to, um, it's almost as if I assume I can just funnel the power I feel for myself into uh, a female that's close to me and then somehow help her just like feel and, and walk in that power. Uh, um, which may be a function of ego and patriarchy and all that stupid uh, crap. Um, but so that, that's the other thing that I hold. So like, it feels like there's this, this, this balance of awareness that I am now trying to carry of, okay, pull back, um, you know, being aware of my power so I'm not being harmful, but also don't assume that it's that A, I can and B, that it's even my job, um, to push someone into power or, or whatever. But the idea of what it, what it means to hold space and to walk alongside someone as they are healing, as they are doing their own work, as they are, um, Learning to tap into the, their full potential, um, and to not get in the way, but also not try to push them into something that is not their journey or their path or, or their time, even.
1: Or it's not their it's not their experience or expression of authentic power.
0: True. Or yeah.
1: fullness, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's the thought. The other pivot that's um, door
1: number one.
0: That's door number one. Yes. Or
1: choose your adventure number one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, so so the second door has to do with pleasure it's something that I have been unpacking a lot for myself in my, my relationship um, lately especially especially as I'm doing work to get into my own body um, uh, but I'm thinking of pleasure in terms of what it has meant for you as you have I imagine become more empowered uh, maybe even in love with, with your body right and then just felt more and more confidence in that how has, has that increase in power confidence and acceptance of yourself? affected your sense experience and even just understanding or definition of what pleasure is and the ways that it can be experienced
1: i'm gonna take that door (laughs) um so i would say about 14 years ago at this point i had met one of my teachers um matriarchal tantra and i remember i met her at a another event and I was just immediately sort of drawn to her and we were in circle and we had the opportunity to then pass, I think we had a talking stone at the time, not just to the person in front of us, but to anyone we felt called to in the circle. And I remember thinking, oh, she's going to bring it to me. I just know it. And she did. And I remember she walked over and she gave it to me and uh, there was just this moment of connection. And I, I had briefly heard her name and what she did, and I was like, oh, I wanna, I wanna do this, right? Mm-hmm. And I reached out to her for her eight months to go to her series, and I would be like, I wanna go, okay, no, not right now, ah, you know, and hide. <laughs> yeah. And finally, eight months uh, after I met her, and like, you know, hedging, and you know, like, coming out, peeking back out, and then hedging yeah. again, I finally landed in a, a five-week series. Um, and from there, I spent the next two years every week signing up for a new one a new one and then i ended up like leading retreats uh, or or organizing retreats for her and all of these things all of that is to say that it was this woman who brought me into the space and um we would do what was called witnessing Mm. so we would have seven to ten women you know very similar to you know your standard consciousness raising group um and we would witness without the male gaze right without you know sort of like that that patriarchal all-knowing eye in the room and we would not witness one another as objects or for entertainment but just really being there as kind of a uh, a space holder for this woman to experience herself and to be led by the internal energies and allowing the physical body to take shape based on those internal currents. Hmm. This may seem a little esoteric, ambiguous, not clear. It is the best way I can explain it. Okay. No, it, it makes sense. And what I will say is, I had been doing a lot of growth work at that point. I, I had already, you know, unpacked a lot of. Things growing up in a white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. I had been a leader in my community already for a long time. And yet, this took it to a new level because now I was seeing women of all different ages, sizes, you know, races and ethnicities in their expression of power, like sourced from the inside out. That was the big thing Mm -hmm. inside out. And I remember uh, one of the elders in the community who she actually passed away from cancer a couple of years ago. Um, She stood up to dance. Uh, A woman at the time in her 60s, larger bodied, took off her top and began to move and breathe. And I was just like, oh my God, this is the most powerful, beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like, Oh my God, I was floored, pushed against the wall, just in awe of the bodies and the movement and the expression and the the joy and the pleasure that was emanating from these women um, through sound, through facial expressions, uh, through their limbs, through the details and the way they move their fingers. And each one was experiencing the pleasure of being plugged into their internal circuitry Mm. and being able to express it without judgment, without evaluation, without dollar signs placed on it, without advertising a car, what, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. And uh, that is where the connection between power and pleasure became so clear is that when women have permission to, experience, you know, their bodies and the pleasure available in their bodies and to experience pleasure in the natural world, all the, all the wonderful details from, you know, smelling a flower to eating a strawberry to, you know, making love with another person, whatever it is that when we have permission, we access so much more of our own power. Um, And, you know, in my many lineages that I'm part of, it's like, and that's why that's been controlled. It's why we objectify women. It's why we sexually enslave women. It's why we, you know, um, do not give women power over making decisions over their own body or, you know, their reproductive choices. Because for me, what I experienced was this is unbridled, exponential, infinite, you know, access to power when we can experience this pleasure. This is when we go into, the realm of, you know, non-duality. And it's, we are just in the cosmic vortex. We are in the divine presence. And for me, that really uh, helped me unleash more because while I was comfortable with my own sexuality and pleasure, most of it had been defined on male terms and there had been a sense of ownership and evaluation. And this is the first time there was an element of purity around it like, this is not for anybody else. And this is not to be boxed, bottled, contained, sold. This is solely for me. And while most people think of Tantra as being uh, about, you know, something you do with another person, I was like, this, this is actually the purest form. This is not about an orgasm with someone else, right? This is about how do I find pleasure in myself? And that just, uh, created a new element for me to experience my body and intimacy and pleasure in a new way. And for a lot of the other women, um, while for me it was a new way to experience that, for a lot of these women, it was the first time Mm. they experienced pleasure in their bodies to any degree. And it was just so obvious to me that when we shut down those, those pleasure centers and the ability to go into that divine pleasure of this human experience and to, to, to feel all of that in its fullness, we really are, um, you know, cutting off the access to the power conduit.
0: Mm. So I heard you, uh, using pleasure, I think both, um, with sexual connotations and mm-hmm. without like tasting a strawberry. So can you kind of talk more about how you understand pleasure? What, what do you understand it to be?
1: Yeah. I mean, pleasure in the same way with joy, you know, that Mark and I talk about for me, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, So, you know, in Tantra and in Joy Revolution, it's like joy is not the destination. Joy is the path. Tantra, pleasure is not the outcome. It's not, you know, when you get to Nirvana, it is actually the path to liberation. It's the path to, to growth. So, um, pleasure and joy for me um, don't have to do with any one thing. It's, it's about how we live, how we approach life, how we show up, which is to be truly embodied, is to be plugged in, is to experience fully. And, and I will say that even comes to love because when it comes to love, joy, and pleasure, uh, there are certain stereotypes and assumptions in our culture about what it's going to look like, what the source is. Love can, cut. you know, you can, I, I love chocolate and I love my son. Mm-hmm. I gain pleasure from, from eating that chocolate covered strawberry. And I gain pleasure from swimming in the ocean. Yeah. I gain pleasure from being physically intimate with my partner. So the fact that we don't have different words yet, mm-hmm. you know, the joy revolution, we do talk about different words from different cultures around joy kind of indicates how there is a certain sort of ownership that our culture has taken over what it should look like. Meaning, you know, in that book Communion uh, by Bell Hooks that I shared, you know, she breaks down the idea. It's like somehow love only occurs or that the pinnacle experience of love is having an intimate romantic relationship with a partner of the opposite sex that culminates in marriage and children <laughs> mm-hmm. that 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 you know that that's one of the stereotypes that we have in our culture uh that you know joy is derived from these sort of immediate activities pleasure is associated with sexuality some of that can be true but it's only a fraction of what is possible with each of these things so when it comes to love and pleasure and joy in my life there they're very much woven together and they're really infinite in possibility. Mm -hmm. So part of the deconstruction that I've done is no longer seeing them in these finite terms, no longer seeing them as destinations or outcomes, but seeing them as the vehicles, the vessels to, I would say, you know, a life well lived, fully lived. Um, I talk a lot about, you know, if we look around, you know, much of the population is not embodied, right? It's, it's, the intellect, I would say, on the stick, right? Or you know, I, I look at folks who are not fully breathing, even, right? Or um, see people who are are just kind of going through the drudgery. and there's no judgment there. It just is their experience or where they're at. But there is so much fullness that we can access when we be, we begin to break down the social constructs, the the cultural script, our own programming, and we can go into that divine essence, the, you know, some cultures talk about Shakti, others talk about it as, you know, Christ consciousness, whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. where we are merged with everything there is, and there's, there's no separation. Mm-hmm. And so I experience joy, love, and pleasure when I go into the fullness of my being and how that is not separate from you, not separate from the planet that I live on, not separate from the cosmos, but I go into the infinite realm.
0: Thank you for listening to episode nine of Invisible Truths. I hope you enjoyed the interview today with Melanie Klein. And if you did, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating or comment about this podcast. That way it's easier for other people to find it and listen. Next week we'll have part two of Melanie Klein's interview and it is even more powerful and profound than part one was. So make sure you come back and check it out. Finally, while you're waiting to hear the additional wisdom that Melanie's going to drop next week, I've got a short activity for you to do this week to help keep your mind on the themes of power and pleasure. At the end of each day this week, take two to three minutes and think about when you felt a sense of your own power or your own pleasure throughout your day. And just write down those moments, whether it's a sentence, two words, or two paragraphs. Just document when you felt your power and when you felt your pleasure. Then at the end of the week, reflect on the times that you felt each and see what themes emerge. Approach it with a sense of curiosity and see what you learn about yourself and your lifestyle. Once again, thanks for listening to episode nine of Invisible Truths. Until next week, I'm Ben Tapper.